Welcome to the Monsters of History. I'm your host, Christian Gonzalez, and today's episode is going to be on the Boston Strangler. And even much more so, uh, the person who is most likely, 99.999% chance of being the Boston Strangler, Albert DeSalvo. Uh, I'm going to warn you, I'm not one who would give a trigger warning often, I don't really care for them. But the contents of this episode may be explicit, especially for younger viewers. So if you are particularly sensitive or if you are a uh, child, then maybe you want to ask your parents permission before watching this episode or listening to this episode. And, uh, you know, if you listen with your children, maybe listen to this episode beforehand and use your own discretion to decide whether uh, it is right for your family or not. With that being uh, put out of the way, uh, this case is incredibly interesting, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. This monster, of course, is a real-life one, long gone, but real nonetheless, and uh, this has spawned movies and pop culture so stay tuned after these messages all right also if you feel obliged to uh, support the show monetarily you can go to anchor.fm slash the monsters of history slash support and for as little as 99 cents a month you can start supporting the show. Uh, there have been situations in which I had to delay the show, and this is one of them, because of a lack of research or a lack of time. If I am being supported monetarily, and again, this is 100% optional, I just appreciate being listened to, honestly, uh, then I would be able to research a bit more and fit more resources uh, due to the budget. So again, that would be greatly appreciated if you would go to anchor.fm slash the monsters of history slash support. Right. Well, anyway, let's get into the actual details of this episode. Um, I really do have to say that the Boston Strangler is something that's always been in my uh, consciousness. It's always, I guess, I don't remember not knowing or not hearing about the Boston Strangler. And I'm not going to go ahead and say that, oh, he is the most famous serial killer. Well, maybe in Boston he is, but, um, you know, I just feel that he's widely known. And, uh, you know, again, I can't pinpoint the first time I heard about him, but one of the most iconic times I've heard about him is in an episode of The Sopranos. Yes. Um, very strange. Um the family, Tony's family, sitting down for dinner, and they hear a ring at the door, a knock on the door, I guess you could say, and uh, someone says, who could that be? And then Carmela, Tony Soprano's wife, the main character's wife, says, it's the Boston Strangler, Ma. How am I supposed to know? And that is kind of the... (laughs) That was a great impression, by the way. Uh, that's one of the most iconic times I've in my life that I've heard of the Boston Strangler. And this is one of those 
monsters or people in history that you probably have already heard of. Um, although chances are you do not know the greater details, unless if you are a Boston Strangler uh, enthusiast, I don't want to say fan, and you stumbled upon this podcast. And if that's the case, welcome. But uh, the Boston Strangler, in all likelihood, was a person who was named Albert DeSalvo, or DeSalvo, depending on your preferred pronunciation. Uh, he was from Massachusetts, and as is the case with many of our monsters, he did not have a very good childhood growing up. His father was reportedly an alcoholic, and he apparently beat his uh, wife, DeSalvo's uh, mother, in a couple of instances. Uh, he He knocked out several teeth of hers, and in another instance, he... She, uh, he bent her fingers back so far that they broke. Okay, now, again, I don't know the validity of these stories, but the fact that, uh, let's say they're fake, right? Let's play the, uh, you know, let's play devil's advocate. The fact that Albert DeSalvo came up with these stories alone is quite disturbing and shows that his childhood is traumatic and I can't even imagine bending your fingers back far enough that they break. That is quite incredible, if you ask me. Uh, DeSalvo's life in violence and in crime was very early. He uh, was known to have tortured animals a lot, which is also something that's very common with um, people who have violent and murderous tendencies. Um, either abusing animals or small children or even in a strange case being very neat and orderly you know cleaning your toys rather than playing with them there were a few Nazis who did that Um, Rudolf Huss who is different from Hess or Huss uh, the pronunciation in German I'm not the best at but uh, you know similar name but his diary is very interesting maybe we will get into his life in one of these episodes who knows uh so anyway to go back to the boston strangler uh albert DeSalvo, his life in crime was diverse and vast i guess you could say uh and almost always even the murders were very sexual and this is where I feel it's necessary to put uh, a viewer discretion or a listener's discretion. I'm not one for trigger warnings, uh, but I feel I would feel morally responsible if I did not put this warning. He was a very, very, very sexually obsessed, uh, I guess you could say, perpetrator. Uh, He is technically two criminals in Boston's history. Uh, the most famous one being the Boston Strangler, and the second one, which really technically happened first, was the Measuring Man. And these are uh, not good crimes to commit, obviously, but a lot more lighthearted and uh, uh, less intense than murder. 
he would knock on the door of single and or vulnerable women and claim to be from a modeling agency looking for new models. And then he would take measurements of their uh, bodies, their breasts, their hips, etc. And then, of course, would he would fondle their breasts and uh, caress them in an inappropriate way. And, of course, the media almost always comes up with a name for these uh, uh, notorious criminals, these nefarious people. And the name they came up with was The Measuring Man. And that's just one way uh, he committed crimes uh, of a sexual and somewhat violent manner. Uh, he was eventually caught for that crime and was arrested and spent, I think, a year or so in jail, you know, give or take. Uh, later, when he was released, he obviously did not learn his lesson, and that is when the murders began. And this is sort of the interesting thing. The modus operandi, or the MO, is what makes him a serial killer, and the commonality is that they are women who are either uh, uh, alone, living alone, and or vulnerable. Okay, so we're talking about maybe a middle-aged woman who lives by herself, a 19-year-old woman who lives by herself. The ages vary, but the concept sort of remains the same. A woman who is by her lonesome and may or may not be vulnerable. He would, again, ring the doorbell, knock on the door, report to be someone of some importance or someone that they were expecting, maybe a plumber or a repairman, and would then, uh, unfortunately, rape them, would uh, sexually assault them, and would also uh, murder them. Okay, and this is where the strangulation part comes in. He would take either their bra or their pantyhose or their stockings and wrap it around their neck and they would uh, be asphyxiated to death. They would die of suffocation from those methods. Uh, so besides being a serial murderer, uh, DeSalvo was also a serial rapist, and that's what actually got him in prison. Uh, he escaped the death penalty, and he got life imprisonment for rape, which is not the most common thing in the world. You know, when someone thinks life imprisonment, they think they committed murder, and in this case he did, but that's not what he got uh, tried and found guilty for. Although, he uh, admitted or confessed to fellow prisoners that he committed these murders. It's important and interesting to note that he was stabbed to death uh, in, uh, excuse me, stabbed to death in the prison and you may think it might be, oh, well, it's because he committed those heinous crimes. You know, uh, I don't know if you, a listener, have n uh, realized this or know this, but oftentimes uh, people who commit sexual crimes such as rape 
or molestation or a kidnapping, especially of a, a child, are not treated well by their fellow prisoners. They themselves may be murdered or raped or raped and then murdered or tortured or what have you. Uh, the life of a pedophile in prison is not a good one. I mean, I have no way of knowing except from hearsay. I mean, that's kind of just the common understanding, and I'm sure you've heard something like that, or maybe if you, even if you haven't, you would be safe to assume that that's the case. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, DeSalvo was not... Um, Killed for that reason. He was actually killed for selling drugs at a lower than usual price. You know, and you may think, oh, well, these people are getting drugs for cheaper. Well, that's good news for the people buying the drugs, but bad news for his competition. If he's selling it for less, why would they go to the other guys who are selling it for more? Right, so that's actually the reason why he was uh, killed. And so. What merit, what weight does this confession have? Uh, as we've seen in previous episodes, sometimes confessions are just for, I guess you could say, building reputation. You know, we saw that with, Rich, uh, with Richard Kuklinski. Yes, he definitely killed people. Did he do it for the mafia? Maybe not. Did he kill as many people as he said he did? Maybe not. Um, he definitely was a sick individual, but you... Uh, can't take everything he says seriously um and this may have been the case with uh, albert DeSalvo, but he was actually being completely honest and the reason why we know that is through dna something that was considered impossible or even a pseudoscience back in the times of his crimes which was the 1950s and 60s um and, you know, in the 90s, that became a lot more common. In the 2000s, it was kind of made a real thing, I guess you could say. And uh, in 2013, it was 100% confirmed that he had, in fact, killed um, uh, these women and the the evidence that they found was at the scene of Mary Sullivan's murder and what they found was seminal fluid which of course contains DNA um, the DNA was obtained and compared to DeSalvo's nephew okay and so uh, DeSalvo was in fact the murderer of definitely Mary Sullivan uh, and more likely than not, you know, definitely um, all the others. And I'll, I'll read their names and ages. Uh, Anna Slessers, age 55. Mary Mullen, age 85. Nina Nichols, age 80, uh, 68. Helen Blake, 65. Ida Igra, or Igra, 75. Jane Sullivan, 67, Sophie Clark, 20, Patricia Bissett, 23, Mary Brown, 69, Beverly Sammons, 
23. Evelyn Corbin, 57. Joanne Graf, 23. And then finally, Mary Sullivan, the final and youngest victim. And the victim, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, to confirm his involvement. And she is the age 19. 19. Um, and these were all in Boston or in very close communities, okay? The Boston metropolitan area. So, this is incredibly interesting because he is confirmed guilty long after his death. He died 1973, and he was basically confirmed to be guilty uh, and in an unofficial way as well in July 2013. And previous to that, there was a multiple killer uh, theory. But that has since um, been kind of snuffed out. Something interesting is that one of my uh, other episodes, I guess you could say, is the uh, Son of Sam, David Berkowitz. There is a multiple killer theory. And uh, I'd like to revisit that at one point. I think I say, I know I say, uh, that I think he's the lone gunman, I guess you could say. But there's more and more evidence showing that maybe there were more killers involved, that this may have actually been not a satanic cult, but definitely a group of people. Okay? Uh, And this is sort of connected to another killer, and this will be the next episode of the Monsters of History, and that is the Golden State Killer, uh, known, his real name is uh, Joseph James D'Angelo, and uh, Joseph James D'Angelo is actually still alive, although he's been incarcerated for the rest of his life, and uh, he's currently 76 years old, and he committed his crimes in the 70s and 80s, and he was only convicted, well, it was during the pandemic, so it was somewhere between 19, uh, 2019 and 2020, 2020, okay, um, of course, I still need to do my research on this episode, but that will definitely be the next episode for sure that will certainly be interesting and a monument of an episode given the fact that at at least at the time of this recording i cannot guarantee at the next recording that this guy joseph d'angelo the golden state killer is still alive okay well dna is an amazing thing uh can be used for so many different purposes and probably the most popular one is finding out what you're made of where you come from uh but of course it it's i i would say and i am a historian i love genealogy but it's much more useful purpose is finding out who the killer is after all it allows me to make more episodes of the monsters monsters of history and that being said thank you very much Take care and goodbye. I'll see you next time.